Good morning. As you have a seat, you can grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me. But I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you go to Colossians, you've gone just a bit too far. It's about three-fourths of the way back. If you want to look it up on your phone, I'm going to be using the Christian Standard Bible. Whatever it is, however you need to find yourself there, get there. Because we are a word-centered church. We believe the word of God through the Holy Spirit is able to change lives right where you're at right now. And so we believe this morning that God has you here on purpose. And we believe that he has you here to be changed. Whatever that looks like today, we hope that he does that. And uh, that's what we desire in your heart this morning. All right. So Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to be in the beginning, the the greeting of this letter from Paul to the church in Philippi. As we uh, read this together. We have been in Acts chapter 16 as we've looked at the, the backstory to this colossal letter. But it's been now 10 years. 10 years since 52 AD when God sovereignly closed the door to Asia and opened the door for Paul and his companions to travel to Macedonia to the city of Philippi. It's been 10 years since the prayer meeting where God opened up Lydia's heart to receive the truths of the gospel that Paul was speaking. It's been 10 years since the demon-possessed servant girl has had a demon. It's been 10 years since the singing in prison. It's been 10 years since the jailer in in the city of Philippi was converted and his whole family came to know Christ. It's been 10 years, and Paul is still at it. And so is the church in Philippi. Paul finds himself now back in prison as he writes this letter. A little bit different this time around, though, as it's more of a house arrest. As he's chained to now to a Roman guard. And Timothy is there because he's able to go back and forth, and people are allowed to come visit him during this imprisonment. And he turns to Timothy and he says, Timothy, let's take advantage of this time. Let's write a few letters to some of the churches. Timothy, I want you to dictate this for me. Obviously, I can't because I'm in chains. So Timothy dictates this letter and he says, let's write to the church in Ephesus. Let's see how they're doing. Let's encourage them. Let's give them and stir up them by way of theology and living that out. I don't know the church in Colossae, but I've heard they've come to know Christ. Let's write them and let's encourage them. But let's start with my beloved church. The one that I hold in my heart in the city of Philippi. Let's write them a thank you letter. Let's thank them for their partnership and that they have been at times the only church that has financially supported me in my missionary journey. We'll write them, we'll correct a few things. There's some ladies in there that have gone sideways a little bit, have forgotten some things. We'll correct them. But most of all, let's write them about the joy of partnership and say, thank you. Timothy turns to Paul and says, you know, that's a great idea. How should we start it? Like your normal letters? Paul, an apostle of Jesus? No, Timothy, they know who I am. They know I'm an apostle. Let's start this one different. Paul, include yourself in there too, Timothy. Slaves of Christ Jesus. 
Timothy says, ooh, I like that. He writes the word doulos, Greek for servant or more, more so a slave. He says, that's appropriate. What a beautiful and willing way to start the letter, Paul. Putting ourselves under the full authority of our master where true freedom is actually found. Paul says, tell them who they are. Let them know they're saints. They don't become that when they die by the church. They are right now because of Christ. Saints meaning the holy ones of God. So he goes on to write this letter to this people of God, to the church that he loves, that he holds in his heart. So let's stand together, Park Church, and let's read Philippians 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit from house arrest, writes this to the church in Philippi. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it's right for me to think this way about you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This is God's word. You may be seated. I want to talk to us this morning as this series is called Joy, Philippians, a Gospel Partnership. I want to talk to you this morning and unpack that just a little bit further as joy comes through gospel partnership. Joy comes through being partnered together in the gospel. Paul mentions partnership throughout this letter. He references it six different times. It really is the reason that he is writing. A couple of different times he talks about partnership and uses the word koinonia. We saw that in the series just before this from the book of Acts where the early church met together and they fellowship together. That's the word there. Fellowship, partnership, koinonia. It means a mutual interest and a sharing together. In other ways that Paul uses partnership, it's another Greek word and it's referring to a colleague or a worker. Someone that you would go into business with. So my friend Todd Stiles, who is speaking at our men's breakfast, he's up in Ankeny at First Family Church. He says this after just going through Philippians. He says, so when you see partnership, think of these two words in the book of Philippians. You think of relationship is the first thing you think of. And the second thing you think of is responsibility. Partnership means there's a relationship. There's a deep common bond. There's a mutual sharing. And it also means that there is a responsibility. Both with Paul and those who are entering into a partnership, the church is responsible in their way to come through financially. To come through in a gospel partnership. Sharing together Partnering together to see the gospel go forth starting in their city to the ends of the earth. Paul says from that first day, speaking of that first day on the river, until now. It's now an established church. You see this. He's got 
their own, they've got their own leadership. He's talking to the elders and to the deacons, but writing also to the church as a whole. You know, I was recalling this last week as I think about this is our one year anniversary of being in this auditorium together. And just thinking about the gospel partnership that started here two years ago. Some of you are new with us and you've just entered into partnership with us or maybe you're still thinking about it. But I want to show you just a couple of things and tell you a little bit of our story from the first day until now. You'll see behind me, this is our very first picture of our core team that met on Sunday nights as we gathered together to pray and to dream and to talk about what it would look like to plant a church in an underserved part of the city on the east side of Des Moines. We met for several months as we talked about many of these things. And we met once a month for vision meetings, which is the next one behind me. We invited other people to come hear the vision of this church. And uh, we did this once a month for several months as we talked about what we believed God had called us to do and how to be a biblical, faithful church on the east side of Des Moines. And other people joined with us and gathered up with us. And then we committed this group here to launch together a group that was committed, compelled, and contagious. A little, contagious is probably a bad one since it was right during 2020 when we were launching. But you know what? You, you live and learn. But compelled, committed, and contagious. To share the gospel. To see people come to know Jesus. And we launched with 75 adults. And some of them that are pictured there aren't here anymore. God has moved them on. But each and every one of them, God used in a specific way for the time that we needed them to bring us into a healthy place as a church. And we appreciate every single person that was involved. We launched, this was our first Sunday, the last week of September, and God gave us 240 people that came out. Some were well-wishers, and some of them were you, that came along the way and decided this is the kind of church and the partnership that I want to be a part of. And then others of you have joined us along the way as well, and you are a part of the story from beginning that God is still writing right now. And so I want to remind you of these things and invite you in if you are new to be a part of these things that are happening here on the east side of Des Moines. God gave us our first convert, our Lydia Myrna, just two weeks in, came to know Christ. Was baptized on Easter Sunday, or she is right here. Love you. Yeah, you give her a hand. And God... Through his grace, gave us many more people that came to know Christ and have been baptized. But she was our first and we celebrate with that. So we've come a long way, but yet we're still young. Two years old. And so this is an appropriate book for us as we work this together. As we re-up, so to speak, and commit to gospel partnership together. I'm so thankful for all those people and you that have worked so hard. So hard to this point. Anything that happens is because of the Holy Spirit working through your hard work. So thank you. Thank you for the people that aren't here. They're teaching the children. People that come here early on Sunday mornings to set up and to, to practice and practicing throughout the week. And those that are serving and leading small groups and so many other capacities. We're so grateful. Thank you for entering into partnership with us. Gospel partnership, it means relationship and responsibility. So I want to just look at this text with us this morning as what are we partnered together for? How are we partnered together? 
And here's the first thing I want us to see is that we are partnered together under Jesus. We are partnered together under Jesus. It's his flag that we wave. It's not the Park Church flag. It's not uh, any theological flag that we wave. We say that we come under the reign and the rule because God, Jesus, is supreme. He is over this church. And so if that is true, he should also be the central piece of our lives. If you look at this opening beginning here, Paul uses in three different ways a version of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. He's setting the tone for what this letter is all about. The focus of gospel partnership is a person and his name is Jesus. As you see in Philippians 2, there's a song about Christ. It's called the kenosis. It's where Christ self-emptied himself and added on to himself humanity, which we'll get to. But the whole book revolves and runs off of this Christ-centric hymn that we find in chapter 2. The partnership is all about Jesus, and so we come under Jesus Christ as a church. And so I asked you this morning, Jesus is the central thing of all things. We come under him. When you think about your life, is he the central spoke of your life that everything else flows out of? Philippians is set up in such a way that everything flows out of Christ. Well, the same thing should be true of our lives. And if you want to find joy, which is what this letter is also about, it will be centering your life on Jesus. And all the other spokes, families, activities, education, sports teams, job, all those other things will make sense when the central hub is Jesus. Just think about that bicycle when you see someone on a bike. Be reminded. You know, you're always looking for illustrations. You're always thinking about how to apply those things. And reminders. When you see someone riding a bike, say, that's what my life is supposed to look like. Christ in the central. Everything else flowing out of him. So if you see, first of all, that we were partners together under Christ. We're also partnered together in Christ. So we're under Jesus in Christ, so this must be our new identity. If you look at this, it's, it's Paul's shorthand for saying something very beautiful and wonderful. He uses this two-word two phrase, in Christ. Not in Adam. All the things that, are, that are, you have if you're in Adam, the first, the first person to live. All the things that are true of him, if you're in Adam, are true of you. Lost. Sinful, broken, without purpose. But now you are in Christ. Transferred from in Adam to being in Christ. And so all the things that are true of Christ are now true of you before God. You're sinless. You have purpose. You have a way of living that makes sense. So he's saying to the church here in Philippi, look what he says. The church of, in Christ at Philippi. He's putting their identity in the proper place. The Philippians, they were so proud of their heritage, so proud to be a Roman colony. They were to be a Rome away from Rome, and they loved that status as Romans. But here Paul is saying, don't get your identities switched. Your first identity is in Christ. You live in Philippi. Don't get those two confused. And if you adopt that as your identity you will find so much joy. 
you're not someone that works at Wells Fargo. Or you do, but you're, that's not your identity. You're in Christ at the well. You're in Christ at the hospital where you work. You're in Christ at home. See, wherever you find yourself, your identity doesn't change, even though your like, location might. And so whatever you do, this is your identity. I must see this as my identity, that first and foremost, I am in Christ. And that transcends or changes the way that I live in whatever location I am. So Paul is saying, wherever you are, and right now is Philippi, remember, that's not your identity. You are in Christ. Hansen, a commentator, says this. I loved this quote. I want to share it with you. Just as they lived as residents in Philippi, so they lived together as believers in Christ. As a result, their social relationships to fellow believers were bound together by their common life in Christ. So that binds us together is that we have the same identity. If we know God through Christ, we're all in Christ. And that should change the way that we react and, and uh, live together. So we're partnered together under Christ. We're partnered together in Christ by grace and peace. So I must live with gratitude. Grace simply defined as unmerited favor. Being given what you do not deserve. And that results in peace. Paul is using Greek language here to say uh, grace, and he's using Hebrew language here, peace or shalom, the way the world was meant to be. This is how he greets them. Unmerited favor and peace, the way the world is meant to be. And that should produce in us a, a, a great thankfulness, shouldn't it? A great gratitude in us for grace the very life that I have is by God's grace. That I am heirs with Christ is by God's grace. That I am forgiven, that I have a job, that I have everything in this life, that I'm justified, sanctified, one day glorified, has nothing to do with me. It's all by God's grace. Now, I don't know if you notice this or not, but uh, for the month of September, Scooter's Coffee is giving away free coffee all day long for as much as you want during the month of September. Yeah. You just noticed that, huh? Some of you didn't know that. You're welcome. Well, I saw that sign out front, and it said, free coffee of the month of September. And I said this, challenge accepted, right? Because I'm like, if you're going to do that for me, I'm going to take advantage of that. And so I have had a free large coffee from Scooters every single day in the month of September, sometimes twice. And I told it up, it would be as if Scooters gave me a $160 gift card this month to use, and I've used every penny of it. Why? Because it's, it's what I don't deserve. I didn't pay for it. And so here's my invitation to you. Grace is yours. Take advantage of it. Not to sin, but take advantage of all the things that God has given to you. To have so much gratitude and joy in life because all of this that I have was given to me, not because I've done anything good, but because God is good. And so I look at this and I think, okay, 
I have grace. Every time I pull up to the window at Scooters, I am like, you guys are the best. Woo, what a great company. And you guys are the best employees ever. Why? Because it's so much gratitude. It's not great coffee, but it's free, right? <laughs> and I'm just so grateful. And I, I just, every time I pull up to the window, I just let them know that. Because when you've been given something you don't deserve, gratitude should be the product of that. Grace and peace. How's your gratitude? I would say if your gratitude's not so great, you've lost sight of everything by grace. Reconfigure your life under God's grace, and the gratitude follows. Grace-filled partnership. Think about how that changes how we react to each other. We can overlook a lot of things if we're grace-filled, right? We can forgive because Christ has forgiven us. Any Coach Prime fans out there? Man, how exciting has that been this year, right? Deion Sanders, for those of you who don't know the cultural reference, the coach of the Colorado Buffaloes who were destroyed last night by Oregon. And uh, he said in his interview, talking about someone that spoke bad of him, he brought it up and he goes, I keep receipts. And it was really cool when Dion said that. I like that. I'm going to start saying that. And right after he said that, I thought in my mind, man, am I glad that God doesn't say that. Can you imagine if every time you did something wrong, God prints out a receipt and throws it in his junk drawer? And then he pulls it out and you get to heaven and out comes overflowing receipts of all your past wrongs. No, he doesn't do that. Why? Because... Jesus has signed off on all those receipts. He says, I've taken those by grace alone. And those receipts are there unless you trust Jesus to take it for you. And if you have, you live a life that is defined and under grace. So just think about that. What kind of church would this be if this was a church that just every moment we saw each other, we're just like, man, dude, the grace of God is so good, isn't it? How would that change our interactions? How would that change the way we think about others and we just say it's all by grace? Now Paul is going to confront wrongdoing in this, in this letter. It's not a, a pass, but it's to say I'm not going to hold things against you because God doesn't hold things against me. He says, I always am praying with joy for all of you in every prayer. We are partnered together under Jesus in Christ, by grace and peace, for joy. So I must choose Christ as the source of my joy instead of my circumstances. This letter, some 14 times, Paul is going to mention joy. And every time that he does, he unpacks just a little bit further of what it looks like to be a Christian that lives out of joy. And joy is something that you can have that transcends what's going on in your life right now. A confident assurance that God is in control and that you are in a relationship with him that transcends the way that you might even feel in that moment. Not a plastic, oh, I have so much joy. Not that, but a confident assurance that God is working. And Paul is going to say, just like he sang in prison, he's going to say, I'm going to show you how to have this kind of joy. He's chained right now to a Roman guard, but he says this, 
when I pray for you, I pray for you with joy. Now, I think if I was chained to a Roman guard and I was praying, I'd be like, God, get this chain off me right now. I just want to get out of here. But Paul's different because the grace of God in his life has transformed everything about him. And he says, when I pray, even though I'm chained, I pray for you. And when I do so, it brings me so much joy to think of the partnership that we have together. Verse 6, some of you might have this written on your wall or bought a Hobby Lobby sign that says this verse. Let's look at it in context. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Woo, that is a good word, a good word, isn't it? That is a mug-worthy verse and one to be tattooed on your heart and your arm if it doesn't violate your conscience, all right? So thinking about this, when did this good work start? Let me go back and tell you this, what the point is here. We are partnered together under Jesus Christ, in Christ, by grace and peace, for joy, trusting God's faithful work. So I must be committed to growth in Jesus. So all of this is a trust in God's faithful work. When did this work start? It started at that salvation of Lydia, didn't it? That's when God started the good work. And that's when salvation in your life, when you come to know Jesus, that's when the good work begins in your life that God commits to doing. See, your salvation, the reason Julie read this morning from 1 Corinthians 15 is that Paul says you are being saved. What does that tell us? You are still unfinished. Why don't you say that this morning? I am unfinished. God's not done with you yet. If you know Christ, you have complete and total salvation and eternal life right now. But yet you're not there yet. So your salvation is not yet complete. Think about it this way. My um, nephew, JJ, when he was 10 years old, he had size 14 shoes. Because his feet were size 14. Just because you put that together. And he was not very tall. But his feet were huge. Now, my sister is very tall. And JJ's dad, my brother-in-law, John, is like six foot seven. So it makes sense that JJ has size 14 shoes. But when you're 10 years old and you have size 14 shoes, it's a little clunky, isn't it? Here's this lanky kid walking around with these huge feet. And it's almost kind of funny. Right? Because you see what's coming. But yet he's not yet there. And it can be frustrating. Like, I know where I'm supposed to be. But I'm not there yet. And so in your life, it can be frustrating. You think, I, I know where I want to be and where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not there yet. And guess what? You're never going to feel like you're there yet. Am I right? Because you won't be complete until you stand before Christ. But God promises that what he started, he will finish. And so Paul is talking about, yes, them as individuals, but he's also talking to them as a collectively as a church. He says, what I have begun in you, I will bring to completion. What God began, he'll bring to completion. He says this. He says, what God started, he's going to keep doing. Think about that with our church. We're two years old. 
Would we like to be a lot further along and have a bunch more things than we are doing right now and like our church to be much further than it is? Yes. But were we there yet? No. We're like JJ, size 14 shoe. Still doing some really cool stuff. Still a lot of joy, but not where we exactly want to be. And here's what's so beautiful, and you need to hear this. Listen to this. God does not love more that future completed you. That one in your mind that you think, oh, future Brad is awesome. God does not love this church more when it reaches further maturity. God, so if you have this picture of you that's perfect and awesome in your mind, when you finally read your Bible three hours a day and you're the holiest person ever and you're sharing the gospel every moment, that's when God will really love me. He doesn't love that future you any more than he loves you right now. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He's committed to you. He wants to see you all the way through. He loves this church. He gave his life for it. And one day he's going to present it holy and blameless to the Father. Well, we're not there yet. We would trust a faithful God in the meantime. So I just want to ask you these two questions. Has God begun his work in your life? Do you know Christ? Have you come into a relationship with him? Have you trusted that you're a sinner, that Christ died for you? Entering into a discipleship with Christ, have you done that? Has the work begun in your life? If not, why don't you just trust him today? And then you, believer, who God has began the work, I want you to think about today, what is one area in my partnership and cooperation with the Holy Spirit God promises to be faithful this year that I desire to grow. Think about that. What is one area this year that God wants me to grow? And we want to help you with that. And so Trey's been working really hard with some others on a growth plan for our church. And we want to just take a couple of moments here at the end of this message to talk about what that looks like. So Trey, would you join me up here? Why don't you welcome him as he comes. Have a seat right up here, brother. We want to just talk about if we are to be growing, if we are to be nice white shoes. You got the memo. That's nice. Uh, we are to uh, be growing in Christ. You've been working on a growth plan for our church. Uh, why, do, why do you think we need this? Yeah, uh, first, thank you for your sermon today. Sure. That was uh, powerful and one of my favorite verses in the Bible there is that God, he's begun that good work and he will complete it. And I didn't hear an amen there. So, amen. you know, he's begun a good work in you. He will complete it. You need right. to get that right here. So when you put your arm out, it's right there. Oh, there you go. That would be cool. So, so he, he has started a wonderful work in your life if you're a believer in him. And one day uh, you will... Um, be able to see that completion, and uh, we look forward to that day as we even sang about this morning. But even in this same book, Bradley, I'm probably stealing your thunder a bit, but a little later on, chapter 3 says... It's not my book, it's okay. <laughs> well, uh, chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead... I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then it says, those of us who are mature think this way. 
And I think what he's saying there is that mature believers are always in a state of growth. Amen. We can't be static. Um, immature believers are the ones who think that they've arrived. And so we put together a growth plan, a way for you to personally assess yourself and see what are some areas that you can grow in and then some easy steps for you to be able to take to, to, to be able to grow. So Okay. Yeah. All right. So to, you just gave me the, the legalist inside of me goes, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. Give me a list. Yeah. I'll check them off each day, and that means I'm godly, right? Yeah, the how, legalist in me thinks that same way. How so. is that different from this? Yes, yes. I mean, there's two... There's two typical ways, categories that people fall into. There's the legalist that says, I do more, I try harder, it's very guilt-based, I feel like I have to do it, or else I feel bad about myself. And if I do do it, I feel like maybe God loves me more. Yeah. And then there's the other side that basically says, well, it'll just happen. It's all by grace. Yeah. I'll just let it it'll, happen. It'll just happen to me eventually. Yeah. Um, and the truth is, the Bible is neither one of those. The Bible is something different. Yeah. It's a third category of we rely on the love of God. Uh, we know that nothing ever changes uh, his love for us, whether good or bad. We do good or bad in the future. But because of that love for us, we do press forward. So what we're giving here in this growth plan is not a big list of things to do um, or else you feel guilty. It's more along the lines of um, this is a path. Uh, something to help you. It's a tool, a resource for you Great. to continue to take those next steps to press forward. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us yeah. about this growth plan. What does it look like? Yeah, uh, it's up here behind us. So if you are on, who's on the Church Center app in here? Good. Good. That's great to see. 50% of you can grow this year. <laughs> yes. The rest of you need to download that. Br Bryce, did you take note of all those who aren't? Um, <laughs> So we want everyone to be on the Church Center app, but it's not the only place we have this available for you. We have some handouts available as well. Yeah, we have this in print form too, right? Print if you're form. you're old school and you like that. Yes. Which I like that. I'm not yeah, going to lie. I kind of like print form as well. But we put it on the app as well. So it's on there today. Um, it's the fourth category on the main page. It, it says Park Church Growth Plan. And if you click into that, this is what it looks like. It kind of gives you the explanation um, uh, above, kind of explaining what we are already said there. And then there are five categories um, that we think the Bible places as an importance on us for our, our growth. Uh, those five categories fit nicely with our pillars. Uh, and that is our gospel understanding, gospel saturation, word-centered, community-focused, which is the community that we have with other believers, uh, and then mission-driven is down farther, and finally prayer. Those five kind of pillars are the areas that each one of us need to be growing in. Um, and the beauty of this is uh, it, it's for everyone. I was examining this as I was putting it together, and I'll confess that my weakest area and the area that I'm going to be using and, and working uh, through this growth plan on is prayer. I don't think I'm strong in prayer like I should be. So I'm going to be targeting one of these uh, resources we'll show you in a moment and, uh, and, and using that to, to launch out and grow in that area over the next year. So Cool. So if you click on each of those, yeah. uh, it'll take you to resources, mm -hmm. suggested readings. That's exactly right. Okay. So, so 
where would they get those readings? Yeah, so uh, a couple things on the resources, I'll tell you about that. So the, the resources right now, we've got a handful of books and then some apps, things like that. These are resources that we will replenish regularly. We'll change some out. We're going to try to get articles in there as well, uh, podcasts, sermons, if you like those, things like that. So we know not everybody's readers, amen? Okay, some of you are not readers, that's okay. You don't have to be a reader for this. This can be shorter articles if you're a podcast listener, resources like that. YouTube videos. Yes. Yeah. Yep. We're going to put those in here. We're working on filling this up. And then, like I said, these will be changed out regularly. So um, if you visit this from time to time, you'll see some new resources available. Uh, the books that we have on here are available out at the rug um, after the service. So each one of the books, we're only charging five, books a, uh, five bucks a pop for each one of those books. You can grab one of those. We only have a few of each one uh, right now, but we can always replenish and have some ready for next week. So if you, if you get some today and they're not in today, you could order on Amazon yourself yeah. and get it by... Jeff Probably Bezos tomorrow. is always happy to ship it to you. Yeah, you'll get it to you by tomorrow or, yeah. um, you know, by the end of the, by next week we'll have some more. So, so this is, can be done individually, yeah. but also in community, right? What's that look like in community together? Yes, yeah, great question. Um, our small group, do, do, do you guys remember what PACE stands for? Have you talked about that with your small groups yet? Prayer. Accountability, accountability, care, care encouragement. and encouragement. Um, so th this fits nicely in with that. Your group may not pick a book. You might all pick a book and read it together if you want. Uh, or maybe you all listen to one of the sermons that are going to be on here and plan to talk about it in the next week. And then you can keep each other accountable. For instance, with prayer, my small group just heard me confess that. So hopefully my small group will be asking me over these next weeks, like, hey, how's your prayer life? Are you, are you growing in that? Is that something you're targeting more? What are you doing for that? Um, so uh, a great way to do this is small group working together, agreeing on something that you're going to work on together, and then uh, launching out together to do that. So. Awesome. Does that work? That's great. Yeah. So what if a person's out here thinking, though, like, um, I want something more than this. Is yeah. there like a... A gathering where I could be pushed and encouraged to do this better. Yeah. Could you come up with something like that? Well, Brad, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> thanks for teeing me up there. Yeah, you bet. No, uh, so we that, do. Was that good? Yes, that was great. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're working on building out structure for this in general. Um, and one of the things, one of the opportunities we're going to have coming up for you, if you want a deeper opportunity to grow and take the next steps in your own life to try to really make a difference in the lives around you or, uh, you know, with your family or, you know, you want to make a difference in our community, in our church, things like that. Um, we have a, re a class coming up here called Redeemed Ambition. Uh, it's going to start on October 22nd. It will be for five weeks. Um, there is no book for it. I will have homework uh, that you can work on yourself and bring. Uh, we're, it's going to be a, a, a conversation that we'll have together and some learning. It will not be at Brad's request, an extra sermon on Sunday morning, um, which I have a tendency to do. But we're going to focus on conversation and learning together and pushing each other to take the next steps. How can you be ambitious 
in your life for what God calls you to do. Yeah. And we want to help you with that. So I'd encourage you. We'll have some sign-ups for that coming up. Get signed up for that. Love to have you in that class. I'm excited about it. Can they sign up for that on Church Center, Bryce? Redeemed Ambition? Yes? Okay. Uh, yes. Or at the rug. But uh, yeah, that's coming up here in a month or so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This is great. Uh, thanks for your hard work on this. Yeah. And updating this and keeping this going. Uh, we really want to be a church that's committed to growth and committed to growing together. Um, I want to just close this time with uh, verse 7 of this text that we just read. It says, Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about you because I hold you in my heart. I want to apply that from me to you this morning. I really want to genuinely tell you that you are on my heart. The other pastors, Trey, Georgie, Trent, you are on our hearts. I know that doesn't mean that you'll have a, a close relationship, like really close with all of us, but we care for you so greatly. And we want to see you grow in your faith, grow in Christ, and invite others to do the same. So we pray for you regularly. We love you. And we are just delighted about the gospel partnership that God has brought together with us and you. So thank you so much. So let me pray for us and we'll sing one song and we'll, we'll be out of here. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that reveals to us who Jesus is. We are a church under Christ. Not under a motto or a slogan or a logo, but under Jesus. And we're in Christ. We're no longer in Adam. We are bought together through the blood of Jesus that we are now in him. We have the same confidence to enter the throne room of God as Jesus does because we are in him and he represents us. God, we want to be a church and people that are marked by grace. We want to bring peace to others. Help us to live with you in the center so that we're grace-filled people, which results in gratitude. We want to be so joyful, God. I pray through this study of this passage that our joy would increase as you are magnified in your word and in our hearts. God, I thank you for this church that you have given to this side of town to be a light. I pray, God, that it would be just that and that we would all grow together and we would trust your faithfulness that what you started, you will bring to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.